Today on the Thoracic Oncology Assembly podcast, we have Dr. Christine Argento, who is an Associate Professor of Medicine at the John Hopkins School of Medicine. She's also the Director of Bronchoscopy. We are getting her insight as a mid-level career interventional pulmonologist about changing positions in academic institutions and things to look for in uh, your career and try to get her insights on what we should be doing to emulate her. Um, So, Christine, would you like to give us a bit of a rundown of your IP career? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and speak. That was really nice to get an invitation. For me, I've been a little bit all over the place. Um, So I did my interventional pulmonary fellowship at Duke and then started my first job at Emory. I stayed there for just over two years and uh, moved on to Northwestern where I stayed for about six years. And then I've recently moved about nine months ago to come join the team at Johns Hopkins. So that I've been a little bit all over the place, but it's been good. And like, um, in terms of reaching your career goals, why did you feel it necessary to move around in your jobs? First of all, I think you don't really know what you're looking for exactly when you start out, or at least I didn't. I don't know about everybody else, but things that I wasn't sure would be important to me are now. Um, and maybe that's just changed as my careers developed over time. Um, when I first started, I was certainly interested in the the name and, you know, the reputation of the institution I was going towards, I struggled with whether I wanted to start a practice or join a practice. And for me, I decided in the end that joining a practice would be uh, conducive to sort of the working environment I was looking for. And in retrospect, that was really smart. I am definitely a join a practice type of person, but there are definite benefits and drawbacks to both uh, ways to do it. I think when I joined Emory, um, it was it was really a good job for me, to be honest with you. It was joining a practice, but we really, you know, myself and my partner worked at two different hospitals. And so I had quite a bit of autonomy and independence, uh, despite having joined a practice. So although we sort of were working towards the same goals, we were sort of working independently. So it was almost like having the best of both worlds in the sense that I was sort of starting my own practice, but sort of joining a practice all in one. In the end, um, for me, I really moved for family reasons, but that model I also decided was maybe not the best fit for me. And it sort of solidified my sense that joining a practice was really probably more suitable to my personality. Um, So I joined Northwestern and loved it in the sense that the IP team was really centered at one hospital. We worked as a group all together. So there wasn't a ton of independence. We sort of shared the practice and shared the group and um, worked together. You were certainly part of that team, so you're familiar. And I really liked that. I thought that suited my, my personality well. Things about Northwestern that I thought were really good was you know, we interacted really well interdisciplinary. So we worked as part of the thoracic surgery division as part of the pulmonary division. And so those kinds of relationships, I think were really solid and really well-maintained. And I think that's pretty important as you're looking for a career in interventional pulmonary. We're also close with the ENT and with the cancer groups. Um, And so for that reason, I thought that uh, Northwestern had a lot going for it. In the end, I was, I ended up moving 
more as a career choice. So as I became more involved with societies and wanting to develop a career with some academic component, um, I felt that for me, uh, Northwestern was a little too heavy on the clinical side, and I didn't have enough time or bandwidth to pursue any academic pursuits. And so then I ended up finding a job at Johns Hopkins. I've recently joined the group and it's been, again, a really good transition. So I've joined a group or a bigger group. So we're four attendings instead of two. And, um, you know, I'm about 50-50, so clinical and academic, which I think has been good for me. So it's given me a little bit of room to start exploring with my academic career and also to devoting a little bit more time to my societal roles. So I'm the vice president now of the AIPPD or the IP program directors group. Um, and for me, that's extremely important and fulfilling. Um, I also serve as key clinical faculty at CHEST, um, those kinds of things. And so I think this role sort of suits my needs at this point in my career. And so okay. I think, you know, part of it is I've evolved and part of it is I've also sort of figured out what's important to me. And I think everyone has to do that. There's no perfect job for everyone. The job has to be perfect for you. If I take what you were saying is really that whenever you start out, you you need to learn a little bit about yourself as to what kind of career probably morphed over the years from an initial, I need a job, quite clinical, then it's kind of moved through into, I, I already have done that. And I now I'm interested in developing more like an academic part of my career. And then right. you mentioned like the importance of the culture of the institution you're working in, in terms of support and collaboration in terms of the like Northwestern, my insight into it was like, it was very clinical and, but we did have very, as an IP, we were quite respected in terms of our position among those groups that you mentioned. Right. Um, the reason that the research component was is, is easier at, at Hopkins as opposed to Northwestern is that because they have an established kind of research um pedigree not pedigree but you, you know what I mean yeah I think there's a few reasons so one they're better staffed so we have you know four attendings instead of two when I was there so you know with four attendings you can rotate and truly have some time where you have a true academic week um, you know, if you have a smaller practice, let's say you have only two faculty members, you know, you won't necessarily have time to have like any true academic time. And some, you know, you can do some things in short little bits and, you know, take your own personal time to do it. Um, but if you really want to develop a career, you know, that has a true academic component, I think you probably need more than little bits of time. You need some true dedicated time to really think about it. You also need to have some infrastructure and support as far as research is concerned. And, um, you know, different institutions have done that well. Um, Johns Hopkins happens to be one of them. Uh, so we have a few research coordinators that work specifically with the IP team, and they make some of the, the academic pursuits easier, right? They take care of some of the paperwork. They help us with the queries to get everything through the IRB. Um, they work with the sponsors and things like that to sort of make our lives easier that we can actually get the, get this, the studies accomplished and we can get the papers published. Because if you really want to be successful in research, you actually have to produce as well. And it can't take you forever and a day in order to publish your results. 
And I found that that's where I was struggling before in that because we didn't have as much support in a structured way at Northwestern, it just took me a long time to get anything accomplished. And that time can sometimes really affect whether you're invited to participate in studies or not. Mm-hmm. And, and so in me, terms of the been, studies that you're doing currently, is mm-hmm. it industry-sponsored research or is it a mixture of that plus your own yeah. research? Yeah, we do both. Um, so a lot of investigator-initiated trials as well as industry-sponsored. And I think having a healthy mix of both is actually probably the best way to do it because you generate enough income from the industry-sponsored trials so that you have some support and like administrative and clinical help to do the investigator initiated trials. Um, So they've really developed a good algorithm to have a healthy mix of both. And that makes it, you know, really worth it. So I'm learning a lot actually. And to be honest, I think I've learned a lot sort of through every step of my career, you know, Um, at Emory, I really learned to be independent, stand on my own two feet. I got a lot of confidence uh, and competence in my IP skills. And I think that's really important as you start out. At Northwestern, I sort of really grew a lot. Um, You know, Colin Gillespie was was my partner. He was certainly quite senior to me um, and just brilliant. And so I got to, you know, the way we ran our practice um, was really great. I learned a ton from him and I learned how to sort of interact with industry, which I didn't really do at uh, at Emory so much. And, you know, I we had we had fellows and um, a PA that we brought onto our team and a nurse navigator that we brought onto our team. And so I learned how to sort of build a team, how to interact really well with other disciplines and just sort of grow clinically. And then here I'm sort of growing into some more administrative roles. I'm learning how to do the research portion. And so it's been really good, you know, for me as a trajectory. Okay. And yeah. so the other thing that I kind of break down from that is that I guess there's two main areas in IP. There's kind of a mixture of clinical and research and then very clinical heavy roles. Now, in terms of advice, given your experiences, what do you think is the important, I think you've already covered a lot of that for research, but like in terms of like the clinical stuff, what do you think is really important if you're like at an institution that sort of tells you this is a good institution and or here's there's problems here and what do you think is the the important elements yeah so i think you know you want to figure out sort of your team who do you have that specifically supports your work and who are you going to be working with day in day out second what is the culture in your institution um so where does ip fall you know do you have i sort of like ip in general as a career just because we have sort of our hands in all different pots, right? Like we speak with oncology, with surgery, with cardiology, with ENT. And so I like that variety, but you have to have and develop good relationships with all of those groups. Um, And that's not always possible at at all institutions, or I shouldn't say it's not possible, but it's not necessarily cultivated at all institutions. And I would say in an IP practice, you definitely need at least thoracic surgery, oncology, radiation oncology to definitely be in your court in order for for you to have a really successful, like your best chance at success and happiness in that that career goal. And then you wanna think about how much clinical time you're doing. Um, Is it all IP? Is it a mix of IP, 
ICU, pulmonary consults? Um, do you work with fellows, residents, medical students? All of those things are going to play into your decisions. You just need to decide again what you are looking for. So I like teaching. I like to be heavily involved with that. So I look for places where the pulmonary fellows will rotate with us. We get medical residents, you know, sometimes students. For me, I think I did a lot of ICU and pulmonary consults earlier in my career, and I've sort of shifted away from that and now pretty much do exclusively interventional pulmonary work, a little bit of ICU time here and there, but it's really rare only, you know, now because of COVID, it's a little bit different, but generally speaking, I do exclusively IP work. And that again is a personal choice. Some people really love the ICU and don't want to get away from that. And so then you shouldn't. Um, you should really think about the mix. And, you know, when you're interviewing, you should be asking people, you know, what is your vision for the IP group? What kind of mix do we have? Are we, you know, how do we integrate with the group? Do we have pulmonary fellows rotating with us? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think those are all good points. But like in terms of, I think you're kind of alluding to this, but like negotiating for, for elements of your job, what advice would you give yourself or um, other people going for job interviews? I think you should really sit down and think about putting your priorities into three categories. So your must-haves, your negotiables, and then your deal breakers. So things that you absolutely don't want as part of your job, put in the deal breakers. And you should make that clear. It should be a very short list, right? If, for example, so for myself, <laughs> I had decided that I didn't really want to go to an LTAC to work as part of my career. I felt like that wasn't contributing to my job as an IP person. Like I did, I would help out with procedures if they needed them there, but attending in the LTAC was not really in line with my goals at the time. And so that fell into my, you know, deal breaker category. And I made that really clear, but that was my only deal breaker, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you should think long and hard. And then must-haves, you want to think about, you know, all the things we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, are you joining a practice or starting a practice? What kind of support do you need to have? What kind of things do you need to start your practice? What kind of mix do you want as far as your, your breakdown of, of responsibilities. So do you have any protected time? Do you have ICU time, pulmonary consults, and then IP work? And so how does that mix fall? And is that worthwhile for you? And then you can negotiate some of that. So you may say like, I definitely want to have at least, you know, 50% of my time be IP work. And then the rest is sort of negotiable. Maybe you're okay with a little bit of pulmonary consults, ICU, LTAC, whatever else, you know, um, maybe you're okay with that. And so throw that into the negotiables category. And when you're thinking about your contract, you want to have your, have in mind a salary. Um, so you should talk to your mentors and people that you're close with about what a reasonable salary would be. It doesn't seem like it's an easy conversation to have. There is a salary survey out there. Um, so if you're a member of the AABIP, um, they have that, uh, that you can download. So you have a sense of what salaries are across the country. Um, but otherwise I would talk to a few people that you trust and that trust you, that you could ask them a little bit about salary structure. 
And you want to think that there are things other than salary that you can negotiate for. So you can negotiate for some research help. You can negotiate for some protected time. You can negotiate for time in the ICU, like whatever that may be, things that are important for you. Um, Maybe you want to take courses to get your master's or whatnot, and maybe that can be incorporated as something rather than money. So you may not always get salary, you may get other things, and you might want to think of a few things that you would take, you know, in exchange for money, like instead of having a higher salary, you might take something else that would give you pleasure or satisfaction instead. Okay, that's good. And then what advice would you give? What challenges have you faced as a woman in IP? Yeah. Uh, So in a male dominated field, it's a bit, I don't know, I guess it's a bit challenging. I I guess it's all I've known. So it's hard to say. I think some of the things that we face, so, uh, you know, deciding to have a family, I think is difficult for anybody, but, you know, that pregnancy stage for women is obviously difficult. You know, you want to limit your time with fluoro and kind of standing up and being on your feet and running around the hospital is difficult. So how to sort of manage that, how to be the, the primary caretaker for children is tough. Um, just the respect that you get sometimes, and it depends, that's again, a cultural thing at your institution that you may or may not have a seat at the table because you're a woman. That can be hard. I would say that um, the biggest thing for me that's been really helpful has been to join the Women in IP group or the WIP, uh, W-I-I-P. Um, we're at whipstrong.org. Uh, no, yeah, whipstrong.org is uh, is the um, the website. Um, if you are a woman in IP, like please join. Um, it's a wonderful group. We offer a lot of webinars and just support for one another, and we try to make sure that the women in the group are getting asked to do different talks, are being involved in different trials and papers and things like that. Um, just trying to make sure that we have equal opportunities afforded to us and talking about sort of, I don't know, some of the things that come up would be, you know, how you're spoken to or treated because you're a woman and it might be different than if you're a man and how do you respond to that? So part of it is like salary negotiation, things like that. Women are not as good at going in to negotiate salary, partly because we're a little bit more emotional potentially, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And so the question is, how do you do that? And so WIP really addresses a lot of those issues. So how do you go in and negotiate a salary? How do you ask for more support in your role? And um, we talk a lot about how to dif- how to navigate different situations um, as a woman. Um, so I think that group is extremely helpful. So for any women out there, please join. We'd love to have you. Have you had a influential mentor in your career that's kind of given you advice at all the different stages? Uh, yeah, actually, I've had several. So my advice would be to collect as many mentors as you possibly can. I've had... Uh, I, I really collect mentors, so I have a whole host of them. I would say the ones that have been most influential in my career um, have been Momin Wahidi. Uh, yeah, he was my primary mentor during my IP fellowship. Uh, Lonnie Yarmus, who's my current partner now, um, but he's really been a life coach for me sort of throughout my career, uh, starting when I was a pulmonary fellow, actually, hadn't even gotten into IP yet. Um, but he's really helped me throughout, giving me really solid advice. Colin Gillespie, who is my prior partner at Northwestern, 
I would say those are my top three, but I really have so many people to thank. I find that you should try to find different people for different areas of in your life. You know, I go to David Feller Kopman for certain things. I go to Dan Sturman for others. I go to Carla Lamb for other things. So you want to try and find mentors that can help you in specific situations and know when to go to each one. So I, I would recommend try to find your people, get to know people as much as you can and identify people that you uh, connect with and try to keep them in mind, stay in touch with them and and call on them when you need them. It's been really, really helpful for me. Great. Yeah. Um, and one final thing would be like, if you were going to give some advice to like someone who's just coming out of IP fellowship, maybe like three things such as, and what I would suggest maybe is like establish a mentorship, get involved in societies, those kind of things. What would you recommend to people? Yeah, so I would say, think long and hard and ask for a lot of help when you're finding, trying to look and find your first job. Think about it hard, but it also don't worry if you pick a job and then it's not the perfect job for you or things change and you have to move. I wouldn't be worried about that. So that's one thing. Definitely find your mentors and your people. So whether that's your colleagues that aren't necessarily mentors, but sort of people you can talk to and work out, you know, your issues. IP is a hard job. You know, we're, we have a lot of stress, high risk. Um, it's busy. You work really long hours. Um, so you want to have like a good peer group and a good group of mentors that you can go to with your different issues and questions. And then third, I think is just to, you know, look within yourself try and find a really nice mix of, of what you're looking for and be happy in your career. Um, Cause if it's, if you're not happy, you know, we work too hard for that to not be happy. So really try and find a place where you are happy. It is feasible. You just have to find it. Great. This would be my first three. Thank you very much. That was very helpful.